The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JustBaseball and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. One, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Three, you will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JustBaseball when you sign up. Disclaimer. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions and must be 21 or older to wager. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., New York, or Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-327- 5050 in Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, and 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,500 first bet offer today. episodes in one week jack mcmullen we are on a roll here on the just baseball show it is friday december 8th we got a big fish juan soto to the new york yankees also a couple of fun deals that i'm very excited to talk about Jaime candelario to the cincinnati reds eduardo rodriguez to the arizona diamondbacks and we are going to do a review of the american league central from 2023 and it is all brought to you by bet mgm the king of sports books ladies and gentlemen why don't you use promo code just baseball when you sign up a deposit into your newly created account what are you doing we got football we got college football baseball's coming up futures the whole shebang download the bet mgm sports app on ios or android or visit betmgm.com place your first bet offer and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if it loses and if that bet does lose your bonus bets will be available once the wager is settled gambling problem call or text 1-800-GAMBLER must be 21 or older terms and conditions apply yeah i got a question for for peter as it pertains to college football and i know that you're not a big college football guy but i think this is a question that you can answer by the way going with the stick mic because i was having stand-up mic problems so you can see the pillows that i use at night yeah Mm. 
I sleep. A lot of you guys think I just grind all the time. No, man. I, I hit my honk shoe, honk shoe. Um, quick question. What is the incentive to bet on bowl games that are not the semis or the final? Like they are glorified exhibitions. I understand that like an orange bowl win helps, but Georgia, Florida State, I'm sure you've seen Kirby Smart and Mike Norvell talking like they don't care about that game. They don't want to be there. So, like, do you think that people should entertain putting their money on games like that? So I was going to say when you asked that question that there's no such thing as stupid questions, but that was one of them. But I also have to remember that Jack McMullen doesn't gamble, so he doesn't understand, right? It's like when a kid, when a little kid asks a big-time question and they just don't understand, right? It matters because there's money involved. It matters because the game is on TV and it's entertaining. Degenerates like myself, it doesn't matter if both teams don't care, right? But I actually did a grown-up thing. I did not bet my first primetime game not betting on Thursday night football between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots. It's a good time to hang out with family. But when it comes to bowl season, I'm not a college football guy, so I won't be betting on it because I don't know the sport. But people who know the sport, they will be betting on it due to the entertainment aspect of it being on TV and betting is extremely fun. Okay, understood. Yeah. Have you seen some of the numbers that that these huge sports books are pulling in over like quarters in one state? It's insane. The handle is insane. And then how about um I see the the gaming industry, like the video game industry, was valued more than the arts and entertainment industries. Not surprised. Combined like film and theater, gaming, higher than both of them combined. Now my baseball question. You ready? I'm ready. Via MLB Network, and I I don't need to debate batting order construction. Like, oh, DJ should be in the six hole. Um, I'm just going to give you a starting lineup, and you tell me if it's a World Series caliber starting lineup. Okay. Jose Trevino catching. Anthony Rizzo at first base. Glaber Torres at second base. Anthony Volpe at shortstop. DJ LeMahieu at third. Alex Verdugo in left. Aaron Judge in center, Juan Soto in right, Giancarlo Stanton DHing. Can that lineup win the World Series? That lineup can win the World Series if Garrett Cole turns in another Cy Young season. Carlos Rodon is back to being a Cy Young. Nestor Cortez Jr. is back to being his all-star level self. And you get some contributions from other starting pitchers as well. And the bullpen holds up. That lineup is good enough in that sense, but that lineup can't hit you to a World Series. And I would prefer Oswald Peraza be the starting third baseman on opening day over a DJ LeMahieu because the bat speed appears to be dwindling. Gone. Right? Anthony Rizzo, I hope he can bounce back and have a good year. It did seem like that concussion that he played through really hampered his production. And then you look at a Jose Trevino who did the same thing, except it wasn't a concussion. It was a wrist injury. So, like I said, that lineup... When you have a great rotation, when you have a great bullpen, can win you a World Series. But of course, I think some of us have our doubts if all of those things are going to work out. Yeah, I've got a lot of doubts. And I was asking you about the lineup exclusively, and I got an answer that I frankly didn't want to hear from a Yankees fan, that that lineup cannot hit them to a World Series win. Um, I'm an extremely unbiased journalist, one of the best in the country. 
<laughs> understood maybe in the world because there maybe are in the world and there are some great international baseball people but is beer you know better than them maybe you know, you know it made me kind of sad some people were tagging me on Twitter being like, I'm done watching the Just Baseball show now that the Yankees got one soda because Peter's yeah. just going to be glazing it. But I'm like, come on, give me some credit. How much have I been hating on the Yankees day in and day out? And I even said Blake Snell is going to the Red Sox. Give me a little bit of credit, people. You don't have to give me a lot of credit. Just a smidge. Don't stop listening because my team got Juan Soto. Come on. At, at least listen to the episodes that I do with Arm. <laughs> if, yes. if you want to ban Peter, that's fine. Don't ban the Just Baseball show from your Spotify. I'm going to be completely unbiased, but it's going to be hard because the Yankees got one Soto. The Yankees got one Soto, yes. But I do think that that lineup is now the strength of this team. If they hold, if they don't do anything else, I don't think this team can win the World Series. I do not view them as a World Series contender because Carlos Rodon has given us one, one full season of success. After that, Nestor Cortez coming off an injury. Is Nestor going to give him 190 innings of success? I'd say the odds are very low. Eh, low. Not very low, but low. Low. Garrett Cole, I have all the faith in the world in. But after that, Clark Schmidt's the four right now. (laughs) And then you lost five, six, seven, eight, and nine pretty much in that Soto deal. You lost King, who would have been your three probably. I had a Nestor who would have been the four. You lose Drew Thorpe, who was absolutely going to step in as the five. And then you lose your two depth starters in Vasquez and Brito. I'm really worried about the pitching depth with the Yankees. And that almost feels like one of my crutches. If I'm down on a team when we're going into the 2024 season, you can probably assume that they lack pitching depth, particularly in the starting rotation. But that's my key concern for the Yankees. They fall off. I know, but you also forgot that they got Trent Grisham. Here's the here's the full trade, and then we'll keep discussing it. Yeah. So the full trade, the Yankees acquire Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. The Padres acquire Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle Higashioka. The Yankees got Juan Soto. But I want to talk about the Padres side of it first, um, because, of course, the discourse is all surrounding how good Juan Soto is. You know, I'm I'm a little bit biased in that sense where I made a TikTok giving you all these stats about why Juan Soto is a generational type bat. And while it's a big package, you still get one year of a generational bat with the opportunity to sign him to an extension. I talked about how much I like Michael King. That stings to give up. It really, really does. For Padres fans, I put him on my top five American League breakout pitchers without even starting a full season. This guy at the tail end of the season, when Garrett Cole was on the mound, we had a chance to win. When Michael King was on the mound, we had a chance to win. Other than that, it wasn't much. Aram called Michael King a a better version of Nick Martinez. And basically what he was saying is that he can work between the bullpen and the starting rotation and be effective. I think Michael King is much better than that. I think that's even doing him a little bit of a disservice. Michael King can be nasty. At the tail end of the season, this guy was rocking a two ERA, and it wasn't against nobody, right? I already talked about in the last episode, but he was shutting down good offenses and really looked good with multiple pitches in his repertoire. Drew Thorpe, number 78 prospect on the Just Baseball Top 100, written by arm. Obviously, you're in that as well. We all like him, right? I was even talking to my friend Dustin, who faced him in college, and he was like, that guy's a painter. And what he means by that is he can go any different direction with multiple different pitches and talk about how nasty the changeup was. Now, faced him in college, obviously he's progressed, and he's progressed a 
ton since he has been in the Yankees farm. Yes. Thorpe is, I think, immediately a top five prospect in this Padre system off the dome. Ethan Salas, Jackson Merrill, Dylan Head is up there too. Snelling, and then depends on where you look at Thorpe compared to Dylan Lesko and maybe Haido Iriarte too. It's tough. Um, I do think that this is a top five prospect in the Padres system now. Um, he is like some of the reports that you'll read are low 90s peak at 95. At the end of the year, he was really 93, 94, which plays way better than 91, 92 does. One of the better changeups in the minor leagues. He did not walk anybody, had a whip under one. Opponents hit 200 against him. When opponents are hitting 200 against you and you're not walking guys, that means that you had an amazing year, one of the better years in the minor leagues. And he had one of the better statistical seasons in the minor leagues. Brito had a really good minor league season in 2022, 2023. He was great in his big league debut. And then after that, you kind of saw a guy that probably belongs in Scranton, but can be a tweener and can have that bus named after him from Scranton to New York. Kind of same thing with Randy Vasquez. And I think that the Padres are going to need that if they don't bring on several more starting pitchers. Because as of right now, you've got Musgrove, you've got Darvish, you've got King added to the fold. Who else? No Lugo, no Waka. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll bring back Lugo. Don't you think they will? I'm not sure. We'll see. But let's talk about um, Randy Vasquez for a second, because he came up, had a cup of coffee in the bigs, 37 innings to a 287 ERA, but you look at some of the peripherals and he simply didn't deserve it. And I didn't think he looked like a pitcher who had a 287 ERA, right? 527 expected ERA, 498 FIP. Didn't strike out many, walked a ton, but he did start five games and looked serviceable, right? But the thing is, he is 25, right? The curveball is disgusting. The fastball is fine and he's got a couple other pitches, but. Is he going to be a long-term starter? I don't know, but it's at least he's got two pitches that you can dream on, especially that curveball. And in terms of Johnny Brito, he had a much larger stint with the Yankees, throwing 90 innings to a 4-2-8 ERA, had some blow-ups, had some good starts. You never really knew what you were going to get. Very similar fastball to Randy Vasquez in terms of the grade. Has a good changeup as well. Other pitches, right? These guys are average fastballs, guys with both have one great breaking ball and then a couple other pitches that you hope are going to develop. What I will say is I do trust AJ Preller, right? You know that the Yankees gave them a list of guys and say, probably take your pick right from this tier. So a lot of these trades unfold, right? You got guys in tier one, guys in tier two, guys in tier three, pick one, then two, then three from all those different tiers. And that's why when I looked at the package and I said, Well, as a Yankee fan, I'm very excited to get Juan Soto. The Padres did very well here, right? They had to give up a lot to get Juan Soto. They went for a championship. They didn't get it, but it's not like then they got nothing. Michael King should be a valuable part of their rotation next year. Drew Thorpe should be a part of their rotation in the distant future. And Brito and Vasquez can at least fill innings. And of course, you got Kyle Higashioka, who has been in big moments, been in the World Baseball Classic, been in the playoffs. Now, is he a guy that, the Padres are going to slot into their starting catcher role? No. No. But is he a valuable backup? Yes. It's just more depth for them for one year of Juan Soto. 
I think but people he, forget the 33-year-old Kyle Higashioka was one of three players, three catchers tabbed to represent Team USA. Yep. He's one of the three American catchers. Not three best American catchers because there were guys that didn't play for Team USA, but he was one of the three catchers on Team USA. So that guy absolutely got a participation trophy and that silver medal is probably hanging Loud and proud in his uh, den, office, wherever that is. Can I read you some Juan Soto stats? Can I? If I said no, you would still do it. I know, but I want you to get excited about it. You have my blessing. Because you are being negative, right? You're being negative about this deal. Let me be happy. About what? The Yankees won 82 games last year. We just got Juan Soto. We just got Juan Soto. Soto in a vacuum is amazing. That outfield is incredible. That one-two punch of Soto and Judge is up there with Betts and Freeman. It's up there with Acuna and Riley, Acuna and Olsen, whoever you want Olsen. to pair with Acuna. Literally, um, it's up there with Otani and Trout whenever Otani inevitably uh, <laughs> re-signs with, with L.A. But, man, I, it is one of the most fun duos to watch. I'm going to be watching way more Yankee baseball this year. I just don't know how the other 24 pan out. Fair? It's more than fair, but I'm going to read you some Juan Soto stats. Okay. Juan Soto played in his 700th game um, about five months ago. And the reason I bring this up is that he was compared to Joey Votto. Joey Votto threw 704 games in his first five seasons, 417 OBP, 424 walks. Juan Soto, 424 on base percentage and 583 walks. So the modern day Ted Williams, known as Joey Votto, not obviously not quite Ted Williams, but at least our modern version didn't stack up to Juan Soto as he started his career. And it goes even further. And this is from Sarah Langs, 468 walks for Juan Soto tied for the most before turning 24, the most walks before turning 24 since at least 1901. There's a two-way tie at the top. Juan Soto and Ted Williams coming in at number two, Mel Ott. You got to go all the way back to the freaking 1901s to find players to compare to Juan Soto. How about the highest OPS plus through their age 24 season? Minimum of 3,000 plate appearances. Again, Sarah Langs was just going off on her Twitter. She's phenomenal, and I was just soaking up every second of it. Ty Cobb, 176. He's in first. Mike Trout, 170. Mickey Mantle, 166. Jimmy Fox tied, 166. And Juan Soto at 157. Generational type hitter here. He's the 12th player with five 20-plus home run seasons through his age 24 season, joining Trout, Harper, Stanton, A-Rod, Griffey, Canigliero, Orlando Cepeda, Frank Robinson, Mickey Mantle, Eddie Matthews, and Mel Ott. You pair Juan Soto with Aaron Judge. And I posted on my Twitter, I did a poll. Would you rather have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman or Juan Soto and Aaron Judge? And I left it open-ended because I don't think you can argue strictly on the offensive side that Mookie and Freddie are better than Soto and Aaron Judge. Since 2020, WRC Plus, the top five, Aaron Judge number one, Juan Soto number two, one and two. Overall, as players, I'd rather have Mookie and Freddie. I mean, Mookie's going to play second base next year because he can't, right? Like, he can play short. He's an all-world defender. And Freddie on the base pass is weirdly awesome. He's also, like, I would prefer, because Juan Soto is a dumpster in left field, 
Now, it's going to be easier to defend left field because he's not in Petco Park where the outfield's enormous, they had but he's in Yankee Stadium. But yeah, he's still yeah. genuinely not a good defender. I think we all know that that's why he's not considered maybe the best player on the planet is because he's a dumpster defense. Aaron Judge, great defensively, but he also has more injury troubles because he's such a behemoth of a man than Mookie and Freddie. So as players, I would take Mookie and Freddie. Offensively, I would take Judge and Soto. Am I being biased? I think that's the best take ever told. Yeah, no, you're not being biased. That That's a top three take, surely. <laughs> One in two since the start of the 2020 season or 2021? Since the start of 2020. Since the start of 2020. They're one in two in WRC+. Plus. I'm and not yeah, gonna... you could... You could argue that I was being a little biased because Juan Soto had a 202 WRC+. Yeah, he was ridiculous. He, he OPSed, what, I think 15 points that are 1,200. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. he was at 1185 in 2020. Was, was it was in like 47 games. Um, he missed well, more than a sixth of the season. Um, while the earth was burning down, Juan Soto was burning down Major League Baseball. Yeah, he was just walking. <laughs> like that, That's what he does. Like, oh, I'm going to see some pitches. The coronavirus making its way around planet Earth. I'm going to see but some the, pitches. And the um, reason why I'm so excited, too, you got to pitch to him. What, are you going to pitch to Judge with him on base? I wonder how they're going to go about that. Like, I, I wonder what the plan is for opposing starting pitchers. It's probably be careful with both of them. And deal with Glaber. Deal with Glaber, I guess, because I mean, is Glaber going to hit thirty homers? No, Glaber's very good. This I know, but he's not thirty homer good. This podcast as a whole really shits on Glaber Torres, and I'm kind of getting sick of it. Why? What do you mean? You're making up. You're (laughs) making up agendas now. I like. I feel. I feel that Aram has done Glaber Torres a disservice. And I'm upset I need, about it. I need it. you to go find a concrete example of Aram doing a disservice to Glaber Torres, and then you bring it to our next that. meeting, okay? I will yeah. do that. Absolutely, that will be done. Um, and Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Boone is talking about how motivated he is, that this is going to be a great season for Giancarlo why? Stanton. Why, because his GM shit on him? <laughs> exactly. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe Dude. it when I see it. That's why I said that was why you asked such a good question. Can this lineup win a World Series? It is a good enough lineup to win a World Series if everything else is golden. This lineup it is not a good division. enough lineup like the Rangers that can just hit them there. Yeah. So. A um, couple more one Soto points. But, yeah, I'm not going to make you do this right now. I would be curious since the start of 2020 to see war accumulation. Um, does well, the duo of Betts and Freeman have a higher war than Judge and Soto? And Judge is, what, 10-win season, 11-win season in 2020? Yeah, I got it right here. Yeah, I got it right here. See. Aaron Judge, since 2020, is number one in F4, 23.6. Okay. Number two, Freddie Freeman, 23.1. Yeah. Number three, Mookie Betts, 21.5. Yep. Number six, Juan Soto at 19. Okay, so there you go. So you, That's why I said. Freeman and Betts is, is better war accumulator, so that backs better, up your point. Better overall players, but the offense, I would still take Judge and Soto. Yes. But it's razor thin. I mean, we're we're splitting hairs here. You could even throw Acuna and like Matt Olson in here. But just in, from 2020, the leaders in F4, just to round it out, Judge was one, Freeman two, Betts three, Jose Ramirez four, Trey Turner five, Soto six, Lindor seven, Machado eight, Goldschmidt nine, Ron Acuna Jr. ten. But of course, Acuna Jr. missed half a season because Torres ACL. Right. Um, and he had a bad 2022. 
Juan Soto, 2018, a 406 ERA in his age, or a 406 OBP in his age 19 season. Age 20 mm-hmm. season in 2019, 401 OBP, 490 OBP in 47 games in 2020, 465 in 2021. In 22, a 401 OBP. That was his bad year. And then 410 this past year. Juan Soto's been in the big since he was 19 years old, and he has not given us a season, regardless of games, where he has gotten on base at a clip under 400. He's the best on-base guy that we have in the game. He's the best on-base guy since Ted Williams. He's got a career OBP of 421. Now, when he gets on base, he's not Ricky Henderson, and Ricky was close to 400. So I'm not saying that this guy is the best on-base guy ever because of what he does on the base pass. I'm saying in terms of getting to first base, he's close to the route, he's close to the Mount Rushmore. And he, I think, just now can rent a car. As of October, as of uh yeah, October 25th, he can he can rent a car with no insurance bump. Dang it, you can't hear. I'm playing uh, the Imperial March Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back soundtrack on my phone into the mic. You can't hear it? Couldn't hear it. Dang it. You can't hear it? Nope, can't hear it. Dang it. Are you lying to me? No, I'm not lying. It's just silent. Just just for the people who can imagine The Empire Strikes Back when Darth Vader enters the room. I have a gut feeling that the Yankees might be having one of those off-seasons where they've taken a lot of disrespect, and it's again like 2008, where they won that World Series in 2009, where they gave Mark Teixeira all this money, CeCe Sabathia all this money, A.J. Burnett all this money, and plenty others, and basically just bought a championship. I wouldn't be surprised if they go get Yamamoto, or they make another big trade for a starting pitcher. They still have more in the pipeline. They, of course, still have a ton of money. It is still the New York Yankees. But with that said, if they don't make any more big-time moves, I agree. I would not put them in the World Series conversation. How can we discount the Orioles? The Rays, if they trade glass now, Randy Rosarina and Isak Perez... Like, we might have the Yankees above them, but would anybody be surprised if they still won 97 games? Absolutely I'd be surprised. not. I'd be surprised. The Blue Jays are still going to be competitive. The Red Sox are still going to be competitive. Like, they have to make another big-time move to be considered. But it's funny. Juan Soto signs on bet MGM. The Yankees have the third-best odds to win the World Series. That is not a good bet, objectively. Well, it, yeah, it sounds like they're capitalizing on a market right now. Um, exactly. No, happening. I do think that this propelled the Yankees over the Rays because – you got to factor in that Shane McClanahan is out for the entirety of this year, too. So exactly. Good no point. McClanahan, no glass now at the top. It's... I would still take the Orioles over the Yankees right now, for sure. I think so. Uh, if they do go and get a Yamamoto, and I've read the report saying that they have no problem. They didn't say they have no problem. They said they're not afraid of crushing, of crossing that $300 million threshold when it comes to payroll. Um, if they do cross that with a big-ticket starting pitcher free agent, and if that is Yoshinobu Yamamoto, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And we can start talking about them as a World Series contender. But if that signing is Snell or if that signing is Jordan Montgomery, I don't think we're talking about them like that yet. You're telling me if the Yankees get Blake Snell, they're not the World Series conversation when you could go Cole, Snell. You just don't like Snell. I'm anti-Snell. Yeah. If the Yankees have Cole, Snell, Rodon, Nestor, Schmidt with Montes coming back, come on. We got to start, but again, but again, this is all conjecture. 
We got to wait until that happens. At this current moment, they are not in the World Series conversation. They're in the conversation to be much improved. You have Juan Soto and Aaron Judge. We've seen what duos like that can do offensively. You can ride them for a couple of months. But at the same time, you got to pitch. And I still have my concerns. And then the bullpen as well, right? Like losing Michael King is big. Padres fans, you guys landed a very good pitcher. That sucks for the Yankees. I will not sugarcoat that. But you got one set up. So yeah. Good we got there. two more trades that we got to go through quick. And then, yes, we uh, do. Um, and two moves I really liked. We'll start with Jaime Candelario signing a three year, $45 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. Did you see negative discourse from this? Um, Arm put out a really good tweet. Um, and it wasn't really negative discourse from Reds fans about Heimer Candelario. It was more of their want to sign a big-time starting pitcher, which is very reasonable, right? They're like, what are we doing here? We have all these infielders, right? Where's Spencer Steer going to go now, right? He was playing a lot of third bases. Is he now going to the outfield? Yeah, probably. But Aram made a really good point, and he said what they need right now is veteran bats. Would anyone be surprised is in these sophomore years of these guys who came up and did really, really well that they struggle a little bit? Of course, right? Pitchers adjust. Now, they're good enough to adjust back, but you're going to get through some of these weeks and months where it's like, shit, Matt McClain's hitting 200 and he's striking out a lot. Spencer Steer, Ellie De La Cruz. We could just continue to go through the names. So what they added was kind of like what the Cardinals added with Kyle Gibson, except he is better than Kyle Gibson, of course, uh, on the hitting side. But Heimer Candelario, since 2020, again, has a higher F war than Luis Arias, Ketel Marte, Haseon Kim, Christian Yelich, DJ LeMayu, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, Mikey Shremsky, Nicky Lopez, Trent Kershaw, Chris Taylor. We could continue, right? He's that good of a player at 30 years old. And in Great American Ballpark, it's a lot easier to hit. If you go to Baseball Savant, he hit 22 home runs last year. Or it might have been 23. It was 22 or 23 home 22. runs. In Great American Ballpark, Baseball Savant can tell you how many home runs he would have hit if he played his games at Great American. 30. Like this guy, if he's 25 home runs and 35 doubles, which is, is that likely? I think that's something that we can slot him in for next year. While playing good defense, he gives you a rock, which I think the Reds are in desperate need of. And... They were acting like, oh, well, we signed Hammer Candelario. Now we're not going to get a starter. I don't know where that point comes from. They could still easily go get a starter. But I'm also looking at the Reds rotation thinking to myself, well, Lodolo, Green, Ashcraft, and Abbott, still pretty damn good. Yeah, but I agree. Great. They need it's a starter. Really but I still like this deal. Three years, 45, that's nothing. It's a great deal. If you can push them all back and Green goes from the one to the two and Lodolo to, from the two to the three, Ashcraft to the four, Abbott to the five. Well, Abbott's better than Ashcraft. Sh- sure, yeah. So or Abbott whatever. to the four. Abbott may be better than the Lodolo too. At this, I, I'm not no. sure. No. Uh, but if you can push that grouping of one through four back to two through five and you don't need a Luke Weaver adjacent player making starts for you uh, and you can have a Marcus Stroman and run him out on opening day, that would be excellent for them. But I agree with Arm wholeheartedly. They need veteran leadership, and they need a steady piece in the middle of the order. Joey Votto's not back. Votto is the best thing to happen to that clubhouse. Candelario's not Joey Votto. Votto was 39 last year. Candelario's 30. 
Joey Votto has a Hall of Fame case. Jamer Candelario, I'm sorry, Jamer, you do not have a Hall of Fame case. Hey, don't say yet. It's 30. You but never Candelario know. in 2021 led the American League in doubles. He had 42 doubles. He had 39 doubles this past year on top of those 22 homers that you mentioned. So it, it's very similar thinking to what I had with India in 2021, where Jonathan India, I was like, okay, this guy's going to spray the ball around, you know, double, some doubles turn into homers and he's going to play every day. He's going to put up really good counting numbers this year. I think we know that. And Candelario is going to be a good four hitter or five hitter for Cincinnati. The ripple is where I'm curious things happen. I'm curious if things happen. Because right now it it looks like, okay, Christian Encarnacion strand at first base, Matt McClain at second base, Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop, and is a Candelario at third. So Steer goes to left. Now Jonathan India. We revisit the India conversation, and India has been floated in trade talks constantly. I don't know how much faith I have in Tyler Stevenson. And one of the names that jumped to me, and and I wouldn't mind it seeing them trade India for pitching, but one of the names that jumps out to me is, is a guy that they had for, I think, five hours last year. They took him in the Rule 5 draft, and then they traded him to San Francisco. Pat Bailey is the catcher for the Giants. So why not go and get a Blake Sable, who's got five years of control, who showed decently well in his rookie year, had an OPS right around 700 in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark in San Francisco. I think what are you talking about? They have Luke Maley. Yeah, I saw they re-signed him to, what, a one-year extension, and Stevenson is a sitting duck. That catching situation is one of the worst in baseball right I now. I agree, yeah. Because Stevenson, Stevenson isn't even good defensively, right? Now, he's a, Stevenson he's a, he's was flirting with 300. He was flirting with 300 in 2021, though. So, like, how much are we discounting that? But baseball is such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately game that I, I think you need to jump ship on Stevenson if you want to win a bunch of games this year. And I think your answer moving forward in terms of competitive pricing and good amount of control, five years of service remaining, Blake Sable and others coming back for India could make some sense, and India could be well-utilized in San Francisco. Yeah, Hammer Candelario might play some first base, of course, because they still got Noelvi Marte. So then CESDH is, yeah, sorry, Marte at third, De La Cruz at short, McLean at second, Candelario and CES at first base, and the other DHs. And they still got Jake Fraley, too, who I do yeah, like. Yeah, so Fraley and Benson in right field, Friedel in center, and then Steer in left? I think that's what it's going to be. Right now on roster resource, Friedel in center, McLean at second, Steer in left. Candelario at first, India at DH, Ellie De La Cruz at short, Noelvi Marte at third, Benson in right, Tyler Stevenson at catcher, and then you got Fairchild, CES, Fraley, and Maley on the bench. Yeah, so uh, I was talking to... I would, like, would you rather have McLean or Ellie at short? I'd rather have McLean at short, and I'd Me rather too. see Ellie at third and Marte at second, but that's not where they're comfortable now. I think it is going to be for the sake of comfort, Marte at third, De La Cruz at short, and McLean at second. Um, I was talking to Clay Snowden, our Reds guy, earlier today, and he said, I think Fraley is a sneaky name for a guy that could get moved. Mm. And and I just I wonder what the return looks like. Is it a setup guy? Is it a five slash six starting pitcher? Is it a guy that's bouncing between Louisville and Cincinnati to make spot starts? I have no idea what the return for Fraley looks like. Galaxy brain time. You know what you could get for Ellie De La Cruz in terms of a starter? Nope, we're not doing this. 
we shouldn't do this, but We're all I want it. is for everyone listening to keep an open mind. Shutting it down. If I was a GM, I would have the openest mind of all time. I just, who do you want? Let's just talk. It's like in fantasy baseball. It's like, yeah, I'd like to get Ronald Acuna Jr. from your team. Oh, no. No way I'm giving. Well, let's just talk. Let's just Dude, talk. It's just are words. Are you kidding me? It's just words. Ellie De La Cruz is the best thing to happen to Cincinnati in decades. Yeah, well, imagine what you could get for him. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> You're out? Well, let's talk Eduardo Rodriguez then to get you right back in. Eduardo Rodriguez, four years, $80 million deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And he has incentives in there that could climb up to $100 million. It's based on innings. It's based on a workload, which I do love. And when this first came across the ticker, I thought to myself, whoa, that's cheap. Whoa, that's cheap, right? Do we remember just last season when Jamison Tyone and Taiwan Walker were in the mid-70s? Say what you want about Eduardo Rodriguez, but he is a better starting pitcher than those two. And this podcast isn't even the biggest Eduardo Rodriguez fans. And I think all of us can come to the agreement that the Arizona Diamondbacks did extremely well here. He put up a 3-3-0 ERA last season. Now, is he that type of pitcher? Probably not, right? With an expected ERA in four at 4.04. The strikeout rate is below 25%. The walk rate is fine. Hard hit rates are fine. You look at his savant page and it's a lot of middling type numbers. I think he's a little bit better than that. But overall, I love the fit here. Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, Brandon Fott, what do they all have in common? Right-handed pitchers, right? You put a lefty in there who can soak up innings, right? This isn't one of those guys where, you know, in the last couple of seasons, I know he hasn't filled up the stat sheet in terms of innings, but he was still 152 last year. He was 157 in 2021 with the Red Sox. And then in 2019, because he didn't pitch in 2020, 203 innings. So this is a guy that, in August, when you need six innings, he can give it to you while being effective. This lengthens the Arizona Diamondbacks rotation. I thought that Jordan Montgomery might go to the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I just thought, get them a good, strong lefty. And that's yeah. exactly what they got. And I had Montgomery getting $150 million. The fact that they get Eduardo Rodriguez, who is a tier below, but for half the price, I'm obsessed with this deal for the Diamondbacks. I love it. They got the cheapest good lefty, and I'm with you. They needed a left-handed starting pitcher, and I did not think that they were going to get Jordan Montgomery. I thought that it was going to be between Eduardo Rodriguez and Blake Snell. I thought they mm. may pony up and pay Snell. I'm glad they went with this guy. I'm a little shocked they didn't because Snell offers such a different attack. Like He is different than Gallon, who is different than Merrill Kelly, but Gallon and Kelly are both... I can get through a complete game. Snell can't get into the eighth inning. Snell seven can be dominant, but he will never give them a complete game. Gallon can get through a complete game in 105 pitches. Kelly can get through a complete game in 90 pitches, 95 pitches. Like that's the way he throws. I, I think that they got another guy who can eat a ton of innings. And if you learn anything about the Arizona Diamondbacks this postseason, you should have learned that they have guys they can trust in that bullpen. Mm -hmm. Seawald moving forward. Ginkle. Saul Frank. I'm missing some. Thompson. I, like There were guys that just showed up and showed out. 
out of that bullpen. So I think what this did is this gives them those two more innings off per turn in the rotation than what they could have gotten elsewhere. I really like it because this is a bedrock pitcher for a team that needed bedrock pitching. And now you can gamble with that fifth starter role, right? Because you still have Ryan Nelson. You still have Tommy Henry. If one of those guys becomes serviceable, that's your rotation. And then you can move a guy like, like I think Tommy Henry is ultimately going to win that fifth starter role over a guy like Ryan Nelson. But you can be strategic there. You can go bullpen games. You can do a lot of different things knowing that right now, Kelly, Bott, Gallon, Eduardo Rodriguez is one of the better fours, I think, in Major League Baseball. And you combine it with that offense. You combine it with that defense. You combine it with a couple of stallions there at the back end. The Diamondbacks should be right back in the conversation to get back to the World Series. And nobody's going to give them that credit, right? Everybody thinks this is just some flash in the pan. I couldn't disagree more. I think Diamondbacks are going to be right back in the thick of it. I do need to see more from Fott. I'm not willing to make that a four-headed monster. I am. I'm Off in. Three starts? I'm in. I'm in. You're also the dipshit because... that just said trade Ellie De La Cruz. <laughs> I don't, didn't say trade Ellie De La Cruz. Honestly. I said let, open no, your mind. Let me just say, I'm still hung up on it. <laughs> Listening on Ellie De La Cruz, and, and I know you just called yourself one of the premier journalists on the planet earlier in this episode. No, I called myself one of the most unbiased journalists on the planet who okay. happens to be at the top. Uh, <laughs> let me just say. That might have been the dumbest take you've ever had in 580 episodes uh, listening on Ellie De La Cruz. All I said was they have a lot of infielders. You could get You're any pitcher really on the market if you floated the name Ellie De La Cruz. Don't. That's all I said. No. You don't have to trade him. You don't you know have what? to My trade him. My fault for bringing it back up. My fault. Yeah, it is your fault. I agree. <laughs> um, so those are the pitchers. We got Eduardo Rodriguez to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Love the move for them. We'll be in the World Series conversation in the National League. I'm Mark Candelario. It's a great move for the Cincinnati Reds. Yep. You have a lot of young guns. Some may falter. Some may continue to rake. But you at least know that Heimer Candelario is going to give you consistent, good production. And he's obviously familiar with the National League Central. Knows his way around the block. And projecting him in great American ballpark, those 22, 23 home runs could turn into 30 with a lot more doubles. And then Juan Soto is a New York Yankees. You want to speak about the National League Central? American League Central. American League Central. That's my fault. Let me get my ducks in a row. Before that, a quick break. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The 2023 American League Central in review. We'll start with the division-winning Minnesota Twins. Finished seventh in OPS on offense, second in ERA on the starting pitching side. And the bullpen had a couple of stallions at the top with Yohan Duran, Griffin Jacks, and more. 
but the bottom, not great, 15th in ERA. Um, the Minnesota Twins overall this season were still even a bit unlucky. If you flip their one-run games, remember I've talked about this whenever we've done the review, if you flip those one-run games, they actually finished 95-67. and 67. That would have been tied with the Texas Rangers for the biggest jump in one-run games, and I think it had a lot to do with the bullpen, the bottom half of the bullpen. But other than that, Twins fans have to be really happy with how the season went. Yeah, they should be over the moon, and I am not because I have no idea what happens to the Minnesota Twins on a yearly basis. When I think they go over, they go under. When I think they go under, they go over. So naturally, I thought they went under this year, so they went over. Um, I think they benefited from being in far and away the worst division in baseball. Yep. Having said that, their pitching was must-watch over the course of the season. Sonny Gray, I was locked in. If I didn't watch the game live, I was watching the condensed game the following morning. Same deal with Pablo Lopez. And if Sonny went seven and they handed it off to Jax or Thielbar and then Yoan Duran to finish it, I mean, that was pitching cinema. It was incredible what we saw from them. And the offense, only offense in this division with a WRC plus over, I think, 95. I think Cleveland was at 92. Everybody else was well under 92. This was the worst hitting division in baseball, but Minnesota topped it at 109. So they were comfortably above average as a team offensively. You couple that with a top five pitching staff in all of baseball when it comes to ERA, when it comes to F4 accumulation, and they had more strikeouts as a staff than any pitching staff in Major League Baseball. This was top flight pitching from them. It's so funny too, because... When we look back on the 2023 Twins, and I take you all the way back to before the season started, if I told you Carlos Correa will slug under 400 and Joe Ryan will have an ERA in the mid-fours, would you go over or under again? We'd probably all say under. But the fact that they got such great contributions from, of course, Edward Julian, from Royce Lewis, from Kepler, from Walner, right? From like Trevor Larnick and Nick Gordon, even though Nick Gordon barely played, so that's not a good example. But the main point of it is, is they got contributions from a lot of these young outfielders who we were looking to stick, and they finally did. So while the Twins weren't so explosive, right? You go into the postseason, and a young Royce Lewis is your best hitter or most feared hitter with Carlos Correa. But from top to bottom, they were getting contributions from all angles. And then you look at the rotation when you can go Lopez, Ryan, Sonny Gray, Bailey Ober, and you can just continue down the line. It was a very solid team. I just didn't see many holes in them besides the middle of the bullpen. And when you're in the American League Central, you can shoot up the ranks and make the playoffs. Even middle of the bullpen, I thought, got better as the year went on. Like, they moved off of Jorge Lopez. They they kind of sort of moved off of Giovanni Moran, but I, I thought Brock Stewart was really good. He had a sub-1 ERA for them in just about 30 appearances. Caleb Thielbar, I thought, was really good. But, yeah, if you can get the ball to Jax, Pagan, and Duran, they were in a good spot. And I love the Pagan signing for Cincinnati. A lot of people forget they, they shored up the back of that bullpen, too. So... Um, yeah, I, I thought Minnesota was a fun watch in a division that had four pretty not fun watches, to be honest. And we're going to talk about, um, what these teams are going to do 
over the offseason in future episodes as the offseason keeps continuing. So this is more just a year in review. But overall, Twins fans have to be extremely excited, especially you went head-to-head with the Houston Astros and were right there, right? The Houston Astros by no means blew them out, right? The series, you know, what well, didn't go seven because it wasn't even a seven-game series, but Twins hung in there. Overall, great season. And yeah, you lost Sonny Gray but you should be able to replicate it. I'm excited to see what Louis Varlin looks like next year, Chris Paddock as well. And then, of course, you still got Bailey over Joe Ryan and Pablo Lopez, and I still assume, right, I have Marcus Stroman go to the Twins, but we'll talk more about the Twins moving forward in terms of their offseason. Let's go over to the second-place Detroit Tigers. So the Tigers in 2023 were a drug that I couldn't quit. So one of our sponsors, Pickett, where all my bets are tracked for transparency reasons and to just see you know, how well I'm doing and, and whatever, they have um, data on my best and my worst teams. Did you know I bet on the Detroit Tigers 14 times, Jack? You know how many times I won? Um, I saw it was not a lot. Three. Um, so I couldn't figure out the Tigers, but the Tigers certainly figured out ways to hang in ball games when I did not bet on them. Now, the offense... It was lackluster, finished 28th in OPS on the starting pitching side. Pretty damn solid. Sixth in whip, 16th in ERA, but they did a good job of limiting walks and hits. Um, In terms of the bullpen, they finished 17th in ERA, but I feel like that's a fake stat because I loved their bullpen. That's a big reason why I was betting on them a ton. Love Alex Lang, Jason Foley, Will Vest, Tyler Holton. We could just continue down the line. And they have a lot of good young starters, right? There was something about Alex Fiedo that I really liked. Reese Olsen. Right, of course, Tarek Skubal, 2.80 ERA, looked dominant, 102 strikeouts in only 80 innings pitched. Um, and if we look at these one-run games, they weren't lucky, they weren't unlucky. You flip all those one-run results, 77 and 85, and I think that's a testament to the bullpen. This is the team that when we make predictions for next year, I still got to wait how the offseason unfolds, if they get anybody, how aggressive they are. But of course, they still did get Kenta Maeda. This is a team where the Diamondbacks were in the mid-70s in terms of win projections. They went on to win, go to the World Series. Now, do we predict that? No. But it's these up-and-coming teams that I'm excited about. And the Tigers, when I look at teams in this range, are right now at the top of my list. Yeah, so they were nine games over the projected win total. They were projected at 69.5. They won 78 games. And you went under. I went under. Arum was the only one that went over. And I think coming into this year, the reason you and I both went under is because we had a somewhat negative perspective on Eduardo Rodriguez. We had not seen him perform well in a pitcher's park. And his first year in Detroit, he was AWOL for a couple months, right? He was dealing with a family issue and nobody really knew what was going on. But he looked great this year. Michael Lorenzen was an all-star. I did not expect Michael Lorenzen to have an ERA in the mid-threes. And... If you told me, like, if you put headshots of Tyler Holton and Foley and Cisnero and Vest in front of me coming into this year, be like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is that Lang? (laughs) No, it's not. Lang's the one that wears the turtleneck and no sleeves. Um, I think we learned a lot about this Tigers team this year. And that's my main takeaway is that I didn't know enough about these guys. And I doubted. Their rotation, especially with Mize out, I still have my concerns about their rotation going into 2024. 
I, I'm worried about the lack of top-end talent. I wish they had an Eduardo Rodriguez type, but if Scooble's healthy, then they have one. I, I just, I've got no idea, like, what this team is actually going to look like. Because, frankly, I don't think they're done. I agree. I don't think they're done either. And I look at a lineup right now. Parker Meadows, we'll see what he looks like in center. But I know what I think Riley Green is going to look like in right field. Had a great year last year. You know, hit almost 300. Spencer Torkelson, we've already, you know, talked about him at length, about how we think that he is going to continue to hit. And 31 home runs, I think, will be considered a down year for him moving forward. All of us are obsessed with Kerry Carpenter. Mark Canna provides some good veteran. I like that ad a lot. I like it a lot, too. Still put up a 355 OBP last year. Matt Veerling was just an exciting hitter last year. Zach McKintry, same deal. Javier Baez stinks, but, you know, every team has shitty players. And then, of course, the catching situation I do not like between Jake Rogers and uh, Carson Kelly. Jake Rogers can hit some home runs. Carson Kelly cannot. Um, but overall, I just think there's a lot of exciting bats here. Then I look at the rotation, I look at the bullpen, and I think there are going to be a lot of middling teams that don't have near the upside of the Detroit Tigers. Kind of what we thought with the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's like the upside of things click. This is going to be a very good team. So while they overperformed last year's expectations, I think they're just going to continue to do so as well. The Scott Harris regime, at least in the early parts, seems to be going pretty well. I would think so. Um, I thought they made a sneaky, great grab. Uh, it was a one man's trash is another man's treasure type thing. The deadline, Eddie's Leonard, I think was DFA by the Dodgers. And he was just traded for cash considerations uh, to Detroit. Leonard is a guy that should factor in, I think in some capacity in 24, but Colt Keith is going to factor in, in 2024. And Justin Henry Malloy is going to factor in, in 2024. And maybe Ty Madden and Jackson Job factor in, in 2024. So even if they don't, make a, a splashy trade or a splashy free agent signing. I, I think they naturally get better. If the win totals at 78 and a half, are you above that? Oh yeah. They're in the eighties for me. I if would, the win I totals the at, if the wind totals at 81 and a half. I'm really? Going so you think yeah. they're, you think they are an above 500 team? I think they finish above 500 next year. Yes. Okay. And I think they have, possibility of higher if truly everything clicks i'm I'm worried about the starting rotation i'm probably gonna be betting on them to win this division next year that the upside pick remember we're looking for value right if the twins don't make any major moves let's say the tigers do get another big offensive piece or sign a starter how much different are they now that's why i said we have to wait for the offseason to finish we got to see who these guys get right because if the twins go get couple of big time starters in another bat i'm like eh, well maybe not the division but if it's the other way around i'm going to see value in the tigers now a team that i saw value in last year that absolutely broke my heart in so many different ways and we've gone from louding two different teams from the minnesota twins to the detroit tigers now we get to the third place team cleveland guardians Damn, this sucked. 76 and 86, just bad. 27th in OPS as an offense. The rotation from an ERA standpoint was fine, but from a whip standpoint, it was 18th. ERA, 9th. Relief pitching, so disappointing. Now, they finished 9th in ERA. I just don't really believe it. Obviously, like, they were fine, but there were so many games 
watched so many Guardians games where Trevor Steffen blew it, where Emmanuel Classe blew it. Nick Sandlin, Eli Morgan, James Karinchak, Sam Henches, Xavion Curry. Just didn't have faith in any of them as the season went along. Stephen Kwan. Wasn't that good, objectively. Just wasn't that good. Andres Jimenez, big step back. And Jose Ramirez wasn't amazing. Right, He's still doing Jose Ramirez things. Right, 24 home runs, 28 stolen bases, hit 280. Was perfectly fine, but he wasn't MVP level. Josh Naylor, I thought, was fantastic. Bo Naylor, I thought, was great when he came up. Miles Straw could never hit, right? And we keep just looking at the rest of their lineup. Gabriel Arias was fine in spurts, but overall, Will Brennan, same thing. Just really disappointing, and it was a lot of like 2-1, to 3-2 to two type games with the Cleveland Guardians. Now, they were a bit unlucky. You flip their one-run games, they go to 80 and 82. But overall, I think they're in the bucket of most disappointing teams in the American League based on my expectations for them. Other people could have had different ones, but in my opinion, they're near the top of the list in terms of disappointing. Yeah, so if you were like me and kind of shuddered at you saying Emmanuel Classe blowing it, I was like, how many games did he actually blow? And I knew the ERA was higher. He had a one two nine in 21. He had a one three six in 22. He had a 3-2 this year. But I was like, how many games did he actually blow? He had 12 save opportunities that were not converted into saves. He was 44 for 56 in the save department. That is a low clip. It's a low efficiency closer, which yeah, stinks. He, he stole my money very, a lot. Class A was 42 for 46 in 2022, so he blew four. He was 44 for 56 this past year. Fascinating. And they were in a lot of tight games. Like, I listen, that that's a lot of save opportunities. 56 save opportunities is a ton. Yeah, they ran him into the ground. Games. But at yeah, the same time, they ran him his ERA jumps two runs and he doesn't convert 14 of those save opportunities. Like, that's not a manual class A. 12, sorry. Over 10? Yeah. That's not yeah. the Edwin Diaz's of the world. The Josh Haters, the most elite of elite. No, and I think he can recapture that. I do. Um, Better. He's still on the no, right I side of 30. Uh, he's 25 years old, man. No, that's like, why That's why I get upset with him, because I love him so much. So when he does these kinds of things, even a 3-2-2 ERA, it's fine. It's just I expect way more from you. It's like if Aaron Judge hits 28 home runs. Compare 28 home runs to anybody else, good stuff. But you're Aaron Judge. You're a little bit different. I mean, Class A, you're a little bit different. Yeah. So a couple of notes on their offense that I want to pass along. If you haven't been able to tell by now, I am team isolated power. I'm team ISO over slugging percentage. I do like slugging percentage, but ISO is simple. It you know concentrates the extra base hits. So the way you calculate isolated power, it does not take singles into account. So what you do is you literally take the slugging percentage, you subtract the batting average from the slugging percentage, and that is your isolated power. Yep. They had the lowest isolated power mark in all of baseball. They had the second lowest slug only ahead of Oakland, but Oakland had more, or Oakland had, I guess, more extra base hit luck than the Cleveland Guardians did. So, yes, lowest K rate in the game. Whoop de doo. That's what the Guardians seek to do. But, like, you can't commit to the bat to ball thing so much to the point where you are actually the worst power hitting team in baseball. They had 27 fewer team home runs than the next lowest total in baseball this year. They had 124 as a team 
Next lowest was Washington at 151. The difference between Cleveland at 30 and Washington at 29, again, 27, is the same difference between Washington at 29 and the 18th lowest or 18th best mark in baseball. So the difference from 29 to 30 is the same as 18 to 29. That's how bad they were at hitting the ball out of the ballpark. If you can't hit the ball out of the ballpark in 2023, there's no hope. And I don't mean to be doomsday-ish, but you need to hit home runs to win baseball games. That's how you do it in 2023. And people could say, rah, rah, the game has changed. Why can't you, you know, string the hits together? Hit two singles and then hit a nuke and it's three nothing. That's how baseball works now, especially when you have a guy in every rotation that's punching out 11 hitters per night. Pitchers are better than they've ever been before. You will not string four singles together and play two runs. Yep. And what does two runs do for you now? Because chances <laughs> are they can hit a three-run homer four innings later. Yeah. No. You know when people say baseball is boring? The Cleveland Guardians were a boring watch, objectively. And last season, as everybody knows, the King, Cal Quantrill, and there were so many players on that team that I just became obsessed with. Stephen Kwan, Andres Jimenez, Jose Ramirez is one of my favorites. Love Josh Naylor. Just go up and down the lineup. I loved watching Guardians baseball. I felt like in 2022, I watched like 140 of the 162 games. I was Every day I had a Guardians game on because I just loved watching them or I was betting on them in some sort of facet. And it was the same thing. April, May, doing the same thing. But then I'm like, what am I doing? This is one of the most boring teams to watch in Major League Baseball. There's no magic anymore. They're not hitting the ball out of the infield. And then when they get a lead, they have great names in the bullpen. But I cannot tell you how many games were blown in the ninth or blown in the eighth. The only time towards the tail end of the year where I was watching was Tanner Bybee starts. Because Shane Bieber was in and out of the rotation. We didn't get to watch Sticks, Tristan McKenzie, right? Gavin Williams was fun in spurts, but it came so much later. Logan Allen, again, I like Logan Allen. But is boring a fair term to describe Logan Allen? And that doesn't mean bad. I'm just saying, as a fan of the game, when there are 29 other teams, the Guardians, while being one of my favorites from 2022, turned into one of my least favorites in 2023. And it was sad. I didn't like it. I love the magic of 2022, and they just didn't have it in 2023. Disappointing, because I love that team. Yeah, shout out Gavin Williams, shout out Tanner Bybee, Bybee especially, uh, shout out Logan Allen. I do think that this rotation is exciting moving forward. I, I just wonder what a Bieber deal looks like. Does mm. Bieber for India <laughs> make sense? I, I don't know. Ugh, ugh that... I I need more than India for Bieber. It's one year of Bieber, right? It's four years of India. Yeah, I still Maybe three need years more of India. The, I mean, how much do we like Jonathan India? I don't know how much do we like Shane Bieber. <laughs> Point, I guess. <laughs> uh, you want to move on to the your Chicago White Sox? Hey, how about them socks, baby? Sixty-one and a hundred and one. Um, I'll save you the time on uh, where they ranked in a lot of things. It was bottom five in basically everything. Um, Dylan C said a four five eight. Um, 
Davey Garcia. Was he even on the team last year? Yes, two four zero ERA. Two four zero ERA. That's uh. Yeah, Davey. No, I'll, was, I'll be uh, honest. I'll be honest. I probably watched fifteen White Sox games this season. I had no interest in watching this team. Uh, Davey Patino Tuki Toussaint was an interesting, like fever dream type watch at the end. Um, just to to give you some numbers. By the way, this division accounted for three of the five lowest WRC pluses in baseball. Colorado <laughs> was the worst. The White Sox were 29th, Kansas City was 28th, Detroit was 27th, and then Oakland was 26th. So this division was horrible. But <laughs> the White Sox, uh, yeah, second lowest team WRC plus in baseball, only ahead of the Rockies. Them and Kansas City, the only teams in baseball to walk at a clip below 7%. So they, they weren't drawing walks. They weren't taking pitches. That's been a thing that has been well documented with the White Sox over the last couple of years. I will say the fall of Tim Anderson was really sad as a White Sox fan because I wanted that guy to be the face of the franchise moving forward, and I wanted him to sign a a nine-figure deal. I wanted him to be that first nine-figure contract in franchise history, but it just wasn't in the cards for him. Thankful for Luis Robert. That was the saving grace for the White Sox this year. But, um, yeah, it was was a rough one, but I I think that – I don't know. This is going to be an interesting assessment year. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, what's the plan? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> um, it is tough because I, I you're not saying I don't know because you don't care. It's genuinely I don't know. I I did like the bummer trade, like getting Soroka and Schuster and Shoemake and Nicky Lopez and a flyer. It was fascinating. And you just stockpile guys and see what works. I think this is Definitely. a year where it's like, you just see what works. One of those guys has to work, right? I think Schuster has to. 365 days ago, we were talking about Schuster as a top, as a fringe top 100 pitcher. We were doing that, correct. And now we're like, oh, yeah, he was the fourth piece of the Aaron Bummer trade. We watched him. <laughs> I, I watched him. I watched him in double A AA and triple A, man. Like, do not discount the trip to Pensacola, Florida. <laughs> Don't do that. I was watching him like this guy, like he's got to move to touch 90. He wasn't even locating well. Royals. <laughs> Royals. Um, Aloy Jimenez hit 18 home runs. Got to stay on the field. Andrew Vaughn, 21 home runs. That's see a tick up. That's almost 25. Um, uh, Gavin Sheets had 10. This is great radio hey, right now. Hey, they got Eric Fetty. They did get Eric Fetty, the KBO MVP. 20-game winner in the KBO this past year. KBO MVP, that's huge. Um, Yeah. Uh, You want to move on to the Royals? Yeah, this was excellent radio. I'm glad we did this. <laughs> no, me too. Uh, <laughs> the Royals stunk out loud. Um, Bobby Wood Jr., I'm willing to start calling him a superstar. Finished 10th in war, in all of Major League Baseball. 30 bombs, 49 bags, unbelievable defense. Vinny Pascantino going down stunk because you look at the rest of the team and they just didn't get much. I don't want to disrespect Michael Garcia, though. I'm a fan of his. Great defender, and the bat was really coming alive at the end of the season. I do like Michael Massey. MJ Melendez, I still have plenty of faith in as well. Um, Even Oliveros was fine. Nelson Velasquez was fine as well. Um, and they have some bright spots here. 
I cannot say enough praise about Bobby Wood Jr. And I think Cole Reagan's, you know, might be related to Jesus Christ. That's how good he is uh, yeah. from the left side. Um, but Brady Singer just took an enormous step back. Jordan Lyles, I mean, 6-2-8 ERA. I mean, 120 Ks in 177 innings, just eight innings for them. Were they good innings? That's up for debate. What was what was Zach Granke's record? Uh, he's I think he was like three and fifteen. I don't know if he got three wins. Might not have gotten three wins. Do you have it in front of you? I don't, but I can look it up very quickly. I think we I think it was like two and eighteen or something like that. Uh Kansas City sixty nine and a half was their projected win total. They went under by thirteen. They were fifty six and hundred and six. I think I, I had the under over. arm had the under. You had the over sixty nine yeah. and a half. Saving yeah. Grace, third most team stolen bases in baseball. Thankfully, I mean, I, I guess thanks to Bobby Witt Jr., who had a third of those. Yeah, uh, Zach Greinke went 2-15 and 15 last okay. year. Um, do you know when he was a uh, second-year guy? Kansas City, when he was 21 years old, he went 5-17. and 17. 183 innings, 580 year. When was his Cy Young year? Um, I'm pretty sure his Cy Young year was 2009. 16-8, 2-1-6 ERA was just unbelievable in 229 yeah. innings. Yeah. I think that was the saying year. I'm on Fangraphs where they don't even tell you, but he put up 8.7 F4. So yeah. I'm like, I'm a going on a limb here and say that he won the Cy Young. Yeah. I mean, this team was objectively terrible. I mean, I don't think there's any other way to slice it. And the thing is when they played, they didn't look as terrible as their record was, but at the end of the day, they just didn't win games. And it has a lot to do with by far one of the worst bullpens. So even when their starter kept them in the ball game, yeah. 29th in ERA as a bullpen. And the problem is not many starters were keeping them in the game, right? Because Cole Reagan's made 12 starts. He didn't make 30, right? But you know who did? Who's traded? Pretty Singer at a 5-5-2. Jordan Lyles at a 6-2-8. That was the problem here. Yes. Um, they had a scheduled disadvantage pretty much every night but 12 this year. Literally. The first couple, it was like, oh, who's Reagan's? Like, it, that's the scheduled disadvantage. Um, I, I think it was the back 10 that we learned about Cole Reagan's and going into the game. We were like, okay, yeah, I would consider the Royals to be favorites. I'd be curious just from like a line perspective, how many games Kansas city went into as the favorite? Cause that number had to be low them. And it wasn't had to be the two lowest. It wasn't at the start of Reagan's starts, but towards the tail end, he was getting real favorites and for really good reason. It was like, okay. shit, am I going to pay this much for Reagan's? I would stay off and they'd win because he yeah. was so otherworldly dominant. But you can't just have one guy. And even true. though that guy is amazing and Bobby Wood Jr. is amazing, you cannot have just one guy on each side of the ball. Right. The Angels template. <laughs> the Angels template. Any other? We got through the National or the American League Central. We did it. Yeah. We survived. Uh, we we're survive. good. American League East at the beginning of next week, which will be great. And uh, that that's it for me. I am. Uh, what am I excited for this weekend? I'm going to go watch the in-season tournament. Shout out the Indiana Pacers getting to the semifinal. Sick. Tyrese Sick. Halliburton, the best watch in basketball right now. Is he the best watch in basketball? He's amazing. I love him. No, yeah, he might be. But that'll do it here for the Just Baseball Show. Press the big red button. You know what it is. The subscribe button on YouTube. And guess what? You have to pay to do it. Oh, wait. No, you don't. Come on. Just press it. Just press it. So much more content coming over there. And the like button, the comment button, you you guys know. It just helps us out. We really do appreciate it. 
Um, and then if you're on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, five stars, rate, review, please, please. It'd be very, very nice and very, very appreciated. If you want to get yourself some Just Baseball merch, guess what? In the episode description. Why not? We're also, maybe don't get it yet because we're going to do a code for Christmas time. That'll be coming up soon. So we're going to give you probably 15, 20%, maybe even 25% off of just baseball merch. So we'll have that code for it ready for you. So I understand if you don't want to get it yet, but you're going to get it soon. All right. Promise me that. Promise. Jack, promise. I promise. Promise. That'll do it. We'll be back next week. American League East. More moves. Make sure to follow us on socials for all the updates. That's Jack McMullen. I'm Peter Apple. Have a great weekend, everybody. And with that, thank you. Everybody.